Stewart. Lizelle, again, I'm the lead pastor, and this is our recording device today. Th thank you, Tim, for that prayer. Really appreciate you praying for us. Uh, the children may be dismissed at this time to go to junior church, ages four through six, that is. If, uh, if you want to send them, they'll be back in the service at the end. We're going to continue in a series that we began a couple of weeks ago called Connecting with God. Started this series primarily because I recognize that there's a problem in even in Christian circles is that we talk about our faith, we talk about God, but very rarely, at least it seems, do we really feel connected to Him. And I know some of you are thinking, well, we're Presbyterians, we don't have feelings. <laughs> that is untrue. We just push them way down. But we do. And we need, and, and if, if God is present, there needs to be some type of experience of that where we recognize that there is God who is with us in Christ. And so that's what this series is hope to, to, to stir some things up within us so that we'll see connecting with God is something God wants and it is not that hard. It may be difficult for us to do, but the means that God has given us to connect with him is actually very easy for us to attain. We've seen that there's only one way that we can connect with God the Father, and that is through Jesus, by believing in him. We'll talk a little bit about that again today. Last week, we talked about how if we want to connect with God, we have to listen to him. And we primarily do that through listening to his word. And so I'm going to read his word from Psalm 145 today. This is the Lord speaking to you today. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Let me pray for us. Father, may my mouth speak your praise today and forever. And, and may what I say today be what you want these, your people, to hear. And for those who do not yet know you, that today, by your Spirit, you would draw them to yourself. For those who are struggling with feeling connected to you, that today would be a day that you help them to draw near to you. That 
for those of us who are even feeling really close to you, that we would simply be reinforced in that, that all of us would grow in our faith, would grow in Christ, would grow in our reliance on the Spirit, and that we would grow in love and faithfulness. Work all these things for your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for our good and for the good of the community around us. Amen. All right, so a man walks into a counselor's office, and the counselor says, what can I do for you today? And the man says, well, I'm having a problem connecting with my wife, and I need some help. I feel like I'm doing all the right things, but we're just not connecting. So the counselor says, well, tell me about it. What is it that you're doing? The man says, well, first of all, I work really hard during the day to bring home the money, bring home the bacon to try to care for my family. I do a lot of that, but I make sure I'm home at 5.30 every day, no matter what. And I don't bring home work home with me because I want to make sure that work isn't that much of a priority in my life. I want my family to know I'm there. And the counselor said, oh, that's great. That's great. But what else do you do? The man says, well, I try to help around, out around the house. I always do the dishes. Sometimes I even cook and do the dishes. I always take out the trash. I always do the yard work. I try to stay on top of the clutter around the house. I'm the one who vacuums. I'm the one who cleans the bathrooms. I really try to pull my weight as a member of the household. Counselor says, wow, that's, that's great. Is there anything else that you do? He says, oh yeah, at least once a week, I bring home a gift to my wife. You know, flowers, candy, something along those lines. Always, every time, faithfully, once a week, I'm always giving her a gift. The counselor says, wow, it, it sounds like you're doing a lot of the right things. Let me ask you something. How are your conversations with her going? And the man says, my what? <laughs> your, your conversations with your wife. You know, when you talk together and the man says, you mean I'm supposed to talk to her? Now that seems ridiculous, doesn't it? And yet, I would say that many of us in this room, treat God that way. We serve, we work hard, we do everything we can. We're always here on Sunday morning. We give our tithes, we give our offerings every week. And yet, there's a lack of communication where we're really not talking to God very often. And even when we do, it's sort of perfunctory. Just, Lord, please bless so-and-so, bless so-and-so, give me a good day in Jesus' name. I'm not saying this to guilt anyone. We've all been there, including me. 
It's easy for us to neglect prayer because sometimes we feel like we're not really accomplishing anything. And as Americans, we love to accomplish things. And that's not a bad thing. But we are accomplishing something when we're praying. We are communicating with God. And we need to remember that. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. If we want to connect with God, we have to recognize that prayer is an important way we connect with God. I am going to need a lot more water today. I didn't realize how loud I have to be. Okay. And I know that's intuitive. That is so intuitive that prayer is the way that we connect with God. Whether you're churched or not, you obviously know that you're supposed to talk to God in some way, fashion, or form. Uh, Donald McKim, in his book, Everyday Prayer with the Puritan, says this, Physically, no, physically we cannot live without breathing. Spiritually, we cannot live in relationship with God without praying. Prayer is essential as the expression of faith. Faith must express itself in prayer. So, just like breathing, you wouldn't stop breathing during the week, but our spiritual life, prayer is like breathing. And that's part of why sometimes the church is so anemic, why we're, we're having trouble getting things accomplished in the power of the Spirit because we neglect prayer. Now again, this isn't a sermon to try to get all of us feeling guilty about prayer. This is something to try to encourage us to continue to pray and to, to continue to persevere in prayer, even when it feels like it's not accomplishing anything, because there is something that's happening when we pray. Hear God's promise. God promises He is near to those who call on Him in truth. That's what this passage is telling us today. God promises He is near to those who call on Him in truth. If you don't believe me, at least believe what God says in His Word, verse 18 of Psalm 145. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Now, I realize some of us may say, but Stuart, I pray. Actually, I pray pretty often, but rarely, if ever, do I feel God's nearness. Any witnesses to that today? Let me tell you a couple of things. First of all, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God is near to you. God is near to you because Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God who draws near. Jesus came to us 
And then, even though he went back up into heaven, he and the Father sent the Holy Spirit to reside inside of us. And so, no matter where you go, God is with you if you're a believer in Christ. You cannot be a believer apart from the Holy Spirit being in you. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption when all things will be made new. And so no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what is happening, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, the Holy Spirit is inside you, and so God is near to you. I I was talking to someone recently who said, you know, sometimes I don't feel like my prayers get any higher than the ceiling. They don't have to get any higher than the ceiling because God is residing right there in you by the Holy Spirit. That's as far as they need to get. So first of all, we've got to recognize that. That is a fact of faith. But the feeling of God's nearness is not always there. Right? The feeling is not always there. And there may be lots of reasons why the feeling is not there. One reason is that he's there and we're just not aware of it. You ever been in a room where you're, you know, you're facing one way and you're busy doing something and you turn around and there's someone right behind you and it startles you because you had no idea that they were there? Sometimes our relationship with God is like that. We, we're just not aware. We need to be made aware that God is really with us. And when we're aware of it, we may be startled by, oh, God is with me. But we need to be aware of that often, that God really is with his people. But another reason may be that we're not sensitive to God's presence. Uh, So at my house, and probably at some of your houses, there is an outside light that has a sensor on it. And when it's, what it's supposed to do is when you walk by it, the light comes on at night. Now, the one that I have, sometimes it's a little wonky because I walk by it. Sometimes it doesn't come on and I'm going, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then it finally will come on. There's something wrong with the sensor. It needs to be uh, recalibrated in some way. Sometimes that's what we're like. We need to be recalibrated to be able to sense that, oh, yeah, God really is with me right now. We we need his word speaking to us so that we recalibrate the way we think and the way we feel so that we recognize God really is with me. Maybe another reason is that God wants more of our attention. Uh, some of you know that I, I used to be a school teacher for a few years. And um, if, you, if you know anything about teaching children, especially children of a certain age, uh, it, classroom management is vitally important. I mean, if you're up there giving the best lesson of your life and all the kids are just talking and not listening to you, they're not getting it. So you have to have little tricks of the trade. You know, some people, like, they turn the lights off and on. 
You know, some people, they, they like shout, try to get everybody's attention. I know one teacher had a bell that, that she would ring, ding, 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 you know, like that, to try to get people's attention. One of the tricks that I used when I was a teacher is I would be talking, giving my lesson, and a group of people over here would start talking, and I would stop talking. And just stand there, waiting, until their attention got on me. And then I'd start talking again. Sometimes I think that's what God is doing. We're so busy running here and there, going and going and moving and doing, that we don't sit still long enough to know that He is God. And so sometimes God withdraws the sense of His presence. Notice what I just said, not withdraws His presence, withdraws the sense of His presence so that we go, wait a second, what's going on? Why do I not feel God's closeness, God's nearness, so that we'll slow down and listen again. Stop what we're doing to listen. Now, all those are possibilities, but there's another possibility that I feel like we have to talk about based on what this passage says. Maybe the reason we don't feel close to God is when God promises that He is near to all who call on Him in truth. What if we're not calling on Him in truth? Oh, what if we're calling on God, but we're not calling on Him in truth? So what does it mean to call on Him in truth? Let's examine that. Let's think about that some. I think there's at least three things that are included in calling on God in truth. To call on God in truth entails at least three things. And the first one is this. We are honest and sincere in our prayers. We are honest and sincere in our prayers. Uh, James and Joel Beakey, in their book, Developing a Healthy Prayer Life, which, by the way, is a great book, very short chapters, but very, very good stuff in those chapters. They say this, In our prayers, God does not note the expressiveness of our voice, the multitude of our words, or regard the eloquence of our expressions. Rather, He observes the sincerity of our heart. To pray sincerely is to pray without pretense or deceit. It is to be honest and frank with God in prayer so that nothing is assumed or put on to impress Him. God is looking for truth in the inward parts. Now, it's going to get a little uncomfortable. But let's all be honest here. We're not honest. At least not with each other. How many times do I ask, how are you doing? And you say, oh, I'm doing great. And you're not. 
How many times have you asked me, how are you doing? And I say, oh, I'm fine. And I am less than fine. We all fake it. We all put on masks. We all pretend to be better than we really are. We're all tempted to hide behind a mask of some sort and try to impress you. I'm trying to impress you. You're trying to impress me by the way we say things, by the way we dress, by the way we do all kinds of things. And we're trying to keep you from recognizing how bad we really are on the inside. I've said this numerous times, but it's always a good illustration. If we could just take on this screen right up here and put all of your thoughts of the last week on the screen so that everybody in this room could see it, I don't think there would be a person in here who would not hang their head in shame. And maybe you wouldn't even still be in the room. Because, again, let's be honest. What's going on on the inside is not that pretty, but we try to pretend like it is. And you know, you can fool most of the people most of the time with that. You can even trick yourself into thinking that you're telling the truth to yourself, that I'm better than I really am. But you know what you can't do? You can't fool God. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes. He always sees what's going on inside us. Even when our words are saying one thing, he knows what's going on down deep. You know, last week we saw how God's word is able to discern our thoughts and our intentions. That verse goes on in Hebrews chapter 4. It starts off with, The Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature, including me, including you, is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So you see how ridiculous it is for you to go to God, for me to go to God and say, oh God, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Thanks for all the good stuff that you've given me when God knows well and good Everything is not fine. Everything is not great in our lives. Um, one author, one author made a, a fake prayer where he basically did that very thing. And, and it reminded me of how we, when we, when we go to someone and we know something bad has happened in their lives, but they're not telling us, what does that do to the relationship? 
if you knew that my house had burned down, but you asked me about it, I go, oh, no, my, my house is fine. Everything's fine. But I heard that your house burned down. No, 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 no. My house is fine. Everything's good. Thanks for asking. Eventually, you would start to think something is really wrong with him. You probably already think that. But anyway. But the more you ask, what am I going to do? I'm going to start avoiding you. I'm going to start withdrawing from you because you know something about me that I don't want you to know, and so I'm going to pull back. And that's what happens with our relationship with God. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they hid from God because of their shame over what they had done. That's what we do because we know when we start praying and God starts pointing out, hey, are you going to deal with this? This, this thing that's in your life, are you going to deal with this? And we go, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. And then we stop praying. We pull back from God because we don't want someone to talk about that sensitive subject with us. We drift. Now, if you're thinking, well, gosh, Stuart, I hear you, but if I have to wait until I am sincere and honest in all my prayers, I might as well never pray. Because I'm never going to be sincere enough. My motives are always mixed. My thoughts are always kind of all over the place. And if that's what you have to do to really connect with God, then I'm in trouble. Well, James and Joel Beakey, in that same book, Developing a Healthy Prayer Life, go on to say, Praying sincerely does not mean that we first attain a certain degree of sincerity and then pray. A sincere person knows and feels his imperfections. He deeply recognizes that his sincerity is not sincere enough. If we needed to become truly sincere in order for God to hear us, nobody would be able to pray. So, so hear this promise again from Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And part of that truth is recognizing I'm messed up and I need you. That is the bottom line for every prayer. I have a problem and I need you. And listen to these other promises that come along with that. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Are you feeling the weight of your sin? Are you feeling the weight of, man, I am such a stinky sinner. It's awful. And, and God knows everything about me and I can't hide it and it's awful. Well, then God says, I'm near to you when you're brokenhearted about where you are.
And I think this is Isaiah 57, 15, although it says Psalm 57. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God is near to those who humble themselves. We'll talk more about that in a week. But we've got to remember, if you're not honest, why would we expect God to hear when he knows everything? But he does hear when we're honest and we say, here's where I am. You know it anyway. Can't hide it from you. You know how messed up I am. I need help. He's near. All right, I know that was a long number one, and you're thinking, gracious, we got two more of these to go through? These will go a little quicker. Number two, to call on God in truth entails at least three things. The second one is we approach God in the truth of what he has revealed to us about himself. We approach God in the truth of what he has revealed to us about himself. We, we, we read in the, in the word of God that this is God speaking to us and he's speaking his truth to us. Look at what the truth of what God says in this passage and let that be an impetus for you to start praying more. Think about it. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Do you ever feel like you're falling? Do you ever feel like you're bowed down? The Lord upholds people who are coming to him with that. Verse 15, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. Verse 16, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. You want someone to do you right? That's what God does. You want someone to be kind to you? That's who God is. Verse 19, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him and he hears their cry and he saves them. Verse 20, the Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. It reminds me of what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 6, when he says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, this is the kind of God we have. Not only does he exist, if you seek him, he gives. And he gives, and he gives. And that's seen most clearly in number three of our list. We come to God only in the truth, Jesus. Jesus is the truth. As we saw a few weeks ago, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And Jesus has come to us so that we can know the truth of God and we can approach God with boldness. As we see in Hebrews 3, verse 15 through 16, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. There is not any kind of temptation that we face that Jesus hasn't seen and gone through in some fashion or form. And so when we come to him and say, here's what I'm dealing with, Jesus, Jesus says, I know what that's like. And I'm here for you. Verse 16, let us then with confidence, with boldness, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It it may feel like at times that, hey, look, if God knows everything about me and he knows how bad I am and he knows all my evil, wicked thoughts, if I come to him, he's just going to zap me. But no, if we come to him and we say, this is where I am, I need you, then what he does is he draws near to us. And we know his presence even greater, not because of who we are, but because of what Jesus has done for us in his life, death, and resurrection to cleanse us from sin and to make this way clear for us to have this relationship with God. And so as we read in Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 23, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, we have boldness to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is through his flesh, his flesh that was torn for us. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near, draw near to God, draw near with a true heart, being honest, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast to this confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God has promised he is near to all who call on him in truth. And every one of us who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus He is near. He is. And we can bank on it because God is faithful. So, your action point. If you don't know, it's pretty easy. Call on God in truth often. Call on God in truth often. Be honest. Again, he knows how you're feeling. He knows what's going on. Be honest. Let him know. You know, sometimes, even in my prayers, and I'm I'm just, just sharing this, so hopefully it will encourage some of you. Sometimes in my prayers, I say, God, you know, sometimes I'm not even sure you're listening. But I know your word says that you are. So help me to believe. God, sometimes I feel like I'm too far gone. 
They can't save a wretch like me. But your word says, where sin abounds, your grace abounds even more. Help me to believe. Lord, I'm struggling with living out my faith. And every time I seem to be trying to do what's right, I do what's wrong. Oh, help me. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See how that works? When we're honest, God speaks to us in the word and we hear the voice and we know his nearness. So let's go boldly, boldly to our Father in prayer by the work of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus. And let me pray for all of us that will do that. Father, by your Spirit, will you draw us near? It's so easy for us to be like Adam, so easy for us to be like Eve. We want to leave, we want to hide, we want to cover ourselves ourselves. But we need you to cover us. We need Jesus to cover us. So Jesus, cover us. And by your Spirit, work within us to give us a clean heart, a pure heart, a heart that is not divided, a heart that is not double-minded, a heart that is set on you, loves you, loves your people, loves other people. Lord, we can't do that apart from you. So by your Spirit, work in us. And by your mercy, deliver us from the sin that encamps in our lives, the sin that is outward and pulls us away. For all the things that distract us, deliver us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.